Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hello there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Last and you are listening to Beyond Synth, episode 130. I don't know if that's a special occasion show or not. I mean, we're not treating it like one. 130 isn't a special thing, is it? 150, I feel like, would be. So, tune in in five months or whatever <laughs> whatever that is. Uh, listen, Beyond Synth is the best synthwave chat show there is, and today we are talking to Signal Noise, who is a visual artist who has uh, designed some things that have become sort of iconic in the synthwave scene, like the gunship cover and the Blood Dragon, the Far Cry uh, Blood Dragon poster, stuff like that. You know, you know, you know his work, man. And uh, we're going to talk to him later on in the show. Before that, we're probably going to keep at 80s with Marco Merrick for a little while and we are gonna do the stuff so how about we listen to a song get this started and then we will uh do what we always do man make a cool show all right this is a track from stills off the album holding on to yesterday and this is still night featuring crockett
And that was Still Night featuring Crockett by Stills off the album Holding On to Yesterday. And you are listening to Beyond Synth. So I didn't officially say this on the podcast, although I did say it on Instagram and Twitter, but this is for my longtime listeners. I've decided to put a moratorium on GoldenEye 64 talk. So basically what that means is, because you know I talk about GoldenEye all the time, and a lot of times it's unprovoked. You know I love GoldenEye. So I've decided on this very special episode to let the viewers know that there is now a GoldenEye moratorium in Beyond Synth. And what that basically means is I will no longer unprovoked bring up GoldenEye. That's the new rule. However, just so we're clear on what the rules are, if someone wants to talk to me about GoldenEye, I will still talk to them about it. But I will no longer bring it up out of nowhere. I do have a tendency to, like, someone can be talking about something else, and they'll be like, oh, you know, my fucking, you know, my dad just died. And I'll be like, yeah, man, GoldenEye! And then I'll start talking about GoldenEye. So I want to avoid that in future. So the new rule is basically I won't ever bring it up unless specifically asked to talk about GoldenEye. So if a guest says, hey, man, you want to talk about GoldenEye? I'll be like, yes, I do. Or if for whatever reason I ever interview anyone who was involved in GoldenEye, then I would obviously talk about GoldenEye. But those are my exceptions. And that's uh, pretty much all I have to say about that. So how about we listen to another song and then we will keep it 80s. Yeah, that's what we're going to (laughs) do. Today's a very organized show. All right, so here is a track by Empathy Test. You know, Empathy Test are very talented dudes. And this is from the new album, Safe From Harm. This is a track called Seeing Stars. Still do your best to hide your flaws 
And that was Seeing Stars by Empathy Test off their new album, Safe From Harm. And uh, again, it's really good stuff. The uh, production value on Empathy Test is good. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> but uh, if you want to know more about Empathy Test, you can always go back to the back catalog of Beyond Synth when I had uh, the singer of Empathy Test on the show. But maybe one of these days I can wrangle them both in for a show. Maybe that can be a thing I can do. Anyway, I don't know why I'm saying this stuff out loud. Let's go keep it 80s with Marco Mare. Marco And we are keeping it 80s with Marco Merrick. That's right, we are. Hey, everybody, and hey, Andy. Hi. <laughs> so you just woke up, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I just woke up, buddy. You know, it's a tough schedule. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what is it noon over there now, 1230? It's about noon, yeah, just after 12. Mm-hmm. I was up all night watching uh, watching some bad horror movies. And, well, I don't even know if it's a horror movie, what the fuck it is. But, uh, yeah, I've got this list of 15... Uh, let me actually just see what the list is called. The um, most fucked up movies ever made, is that it? Basically, the 15 most extreme horror movies of all time. So I was just going through that list. My brother's six years older than me, and, uh, well, him and his friends used to watch some really fucked up movies when I was growing up. So I grew up on a lot of that stuff, you know, like shit like... I mean, before I was 10, I watched, like, Evil Dead, Street Trash, Bloodsucking Freaks. Yeah, stuff that's real bad. Not real bad, but, but yeah, sort of that uh, exploitation horror kind of shit. Yeah. So I, I, I really love that stuff. It doesn't have an effect on me like it does with other people. So. I'm, I'm like working my way through the list. I've seen most of them already. But. So... Tell me about... I don't even want to hear about it, actually. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you details. No, that's right. I don't want to freak people out. Basically, I watched the Serbian film last night, and that was that's number two on the list, so... I actually thought it was going to be worse. I, it's had so much hype around it. You know when you get those movies that everybody's like, oh my god, it's so fucked up. Yeah. And then I, and I was really expecting bad. I watched it, I was like... It's not as bad as I thought it'd be, so I was a little bit disappointed, you know? All right, can you just confirm or deny... I mean, whenever I, I, I read about it, they always referenced a specific thing that I was like, oh my God, like, mm-hmm. I can't believe that's there. Is that there? Yeah, it is, but it's not that graphic, that part. That's what spun me out, because everybody's like, oh my God, you know, as soon as I saw that, I had to turn it off. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't actually see it. They just insinuate that's what they're doing. And I'm like... There is some shit at the end that's really bad, but still, that's not the bit that, you know, anyway. Yeah, this is a useless conversation. <laughs> I know, right? If you're not trying to, can't really talk about it, so it's not really, uh, sorry, I don't want be all dark. But. No, it's interesting because I used to feel that way about Scarface, when sometimes something is insinuated, some violence, it can actually have a greater effect. And you know, when you when you look back to the movie Scarface and how it was getting like an X rating and they had to keep cutting things back and cutting mm. things back. And you know, when I first saw Scarface, I really remember like, oh wow, like when the dude gets the chainsaw to the head, I remember it being like, whoa, what a fucked up thing. Like a dude gets a chainsaw to the head. But when you actually watch the movie, you don't actually see it. You just see jam getting like poured all over the dude's head. Mm. But you don't actually see a chainsaw going into a person's head. But it's just the idea of how horrible that is, is what makes the scene so bad. But you don't actually 
but it, but but when you first see it for the first time, it is a really fucked up. Like, oh my god, like this this is horrible. Mm. And then it's only in retrospect that I go back and realize, well, you know, that's some pretty like clever filmmaking that that scene is so awful yet you actually you don't see anything the guy does with the chainsaw all you see is like blood spray everywhere exactly and you you hear him talk what he's gonna do like he's like hey now the leg eh?" and then like you see him move the chainsaw down but you don't (laughs) actually see him cut off the dude's leg and you don't even really see the aftermath no like you kind of see something in the tub like where the body falls but you don't really see any of it i agree i agree it's one of the most shocking scenes but yet it's not that graphic really it's Mm. just what you what you think's coming i know just try to put your head up your ass and see if it fits. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've analysed that scene so much, and like as I've gone back and gone, why was I? Why did I find that so shocking as a kid? And then I'm like, but it's not even that graphic, really. So no, you, you're dead right. Although I do find that whole sequence, it's it's done very effectively. Like it has one of my favorite stunts too, when fucking Hector like kind of just jumps out the window. Yeah, he, he carves up the window with his chainsaw, right? and then just sort of just flips and falls on his back. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> the way he just falls on his back and. There's something also, too, about when he gets shot in the street that has a kind of weird realism to it. Yes. Like when Tony finally shoots him and the way the camera sort of like zooms out and the way he falls. Like, I don't know, they did a good job. Like, it's definitely a really sort of brutal sequence. But if you saw that camera angle now, the way it did it, you'd say, fuck, that's shit editing. What the fuck was that? But yet... It, it when you like you're right. It makes it gives it a realism to it. Yes, it's almost like it's like news footage for a second or something. Like it's still shot with <laughs> film cameras. But I love it that you know the movie so well. <laughs> it's one of my favorite films. Like I mean, me I, too. Me too. I look at um, my my collection, and I know we. I I hate to say this thing again. I, I say the same stuff every week, right? So, but. <laughs> I, I have my list of movies that I like to watch once a year that I just can't anymore. You know, it's it's Scarface, it's Heat, uh, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Alien. Like, there's lots of movies that I, I used to have on a yearly rotation. Mm-hmm. I think once my kids are older, when I can, like, you know, actually just have a movie on that's adult and it's fine. Because right now we're doing Christmas movies and oh my fucking God. You know, there's so many bad ones, isn't there? Fuck, there's not that many good ones. Like, my wife gets into the Christmas spirit a lot so you know we've got the christmas tree up already and uh, she likes listening to the christmas music and watching christmas movies and essentially what that means is it's just home alone is on all day mm, like fuck. it's just because the, the tv channels just show home alone one home alone yeah. two a christmas story those movies with tim allen where he's santa claus oh, and um god sounds like hell no it, it is because like i i can't i i just can't Okay, I'm going to say some unpopular opinions, but I don't like the Home Alone movies, and I never did. Like, I... I don't like Home Alone. I never liked it, even when I was young. I was like, maybe I was just a little bit too old when it came out. Even though, like, my older cousin loved it, and a lot of other... Everybody seemed to like it. I was like, this is fucking just lame. It's so stupid. Well, it's you like know what's weird? I am more offended and bothered by the violence in the Home Alone movies than I am with, like, actual movies that are just, like, people running around killing each other because I don't think cartoon violence translates to live action. Like, it it actually just looks really painful. 
and I never found it funny. It's like, dude just gets like an iron to the head. I'm like, that's not funny like that. It looks like it hurts like hell, like getting bricks to the face and stuff. It's almost more visceral to me than movies where there's dudes running around just getting blown up and shot at and stuff. And Anyway, hey, do you want to play me a song and then we'll keep talking? Uh, sure, I can do that. Daniel Deluxe has a new album out. Uh, it just came out today, in fact. So the album is called Instruments of Retribution. So I don't know if I can say that properly. No, you got it. Um, <coughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. You know, as Daniel Deluxe's stuff is. Um, now, the track I want to play off that is the title track, Instruments of Retribution. All right. This is Instruments of Retribution uh, by Daniel Deluxe.
And that was Daniel Deluxe with the track Instruments of Retribution, Marco's first pick of the week. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think here. So what are the good Christmas movies? Because I okay, okay, die, die Hard. Yes, we all know Die Hard. And um, I'll put Die Hard 2 in there too because like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'd rather watch those than any of the... Yep, me too. Like the Home Alones and things. No, I, uh, I like Batman Returns a lot. That's Christmas. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I agree. That's another good one. You know, a lot of people like Christmas Vacation with, you know, um, Chevy Chase. I never liked that either. No, I don't like it Uh, either. No. I've never liked Chevy Chase. No, I I did. I did. But I look back at his movies now. I try to watch them again and none of them are funny. It's bad. It's such... uh... Yeah, I think there's a lot of people who had these Christmas traditions. And I I respect that. Like, it's fine. My family wasn't a Christmassy family. Like, we had Christmas, but we didn't care. Like, my dad never put up fucking lights or anything. So, our Christmas movie was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, that's what we watched at Christmas? Like, Indiana Jones? Really? That's what a great movie to watch at Christmas time. I love that movie. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fine <laughs> film. But, uh, so we never really did the Christmas movie thing. Yeah. So when I talk to other people, and they always talk about, uh, you know, like, a Christmas Vacation, and I watch it, and I'm like, yeah, you know, the Home Alones annoy me. Even A Christmas Story, I, I'm not mad on. Like, it's fine, but nah. it, it's not... You know what other... Okay, one other movie I don't mind is... I know it's really silly, but for, I don't know. It makes me laugh. It's Elf. Have you ever seen Elf? With, Elf um, is okay. Yeah, Elf is okay. Yeah. It's so silly, but it's just, it just it does make me laugh. Although um, it's also one of those movies that's on heavy rotation on the uh, on the TV channels that show Christmas movies. So ah, that's one I, I, I should have put on the list, too, because it's there as well. Like, I think... I think I can get... Uh, can I get away with just putting Die Hard on? Yes. My son just had his birthday. He's seven. Mm, might, might be young. What's the What's the worst death in, in Die Hard? It's mostly just gunshots. Uh, what's that guy? The, one of the first one that dies. You see him hanging, don't you? With the... Um, I don't know. Look, I don't know what kids can watch these days. I know times have changed. I just... We watched anything. Obviously, yeah, I mean... Told you, but... I like... Because th- the worst death, I think, is Die Hard 2, because that's the one where he takes an icicle and sticks it in the guy's head. What is it rated? What is Die Hard actually rated? I'm curious. It's R. Like, it's restricted. Like, because it's got swearing and stuff. Oh. That's the thing I always forget mm. when I put on movies I like, is the swearing. Because I remember I put on Terminator 2... And I forgot. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, there's so much bad language in this movie. Is there? It's not that bad, is it? No, it is. John Connor, like, oh. like all of his dialogue has swearing all the time. Like, I forgot about that. That's right, yeah. You don't think about it, because it's really not that graphic of a film. Like, there's, okay, there's the scene where the T-1000, like, kills the dad with the milk, with the blade through his head. But apart from that, it's not a very graphic movie. But uh, it does have a lot of bad language. So there you go, folks. Little warning if you're gonna watch Terminator 2, <laughs> there's some swearing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other Christmas films. Well, people can uh, people can say in the comments. People like to comment. <laughs> they certainly do. Oh, did I tell you I got a fucking uh, I got the stupid uh, NES case for the my retro pie. Yeah, I saw the video. How could I not? That was so funny. It's actually pretty good. It's cool. So it's just a cover though. It's just a case that you put over the. Your- yeah, but it's 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 a case that has some electronics in it. Oh, it does. So for anyone wondering, a Raspberry Pi. If you don't know what it is, it's like a little circuit board thing. You can buy them. Uh, on Amazon for like 50 bucks but you and it's basically like sort of a do-it-yourself mini little computer they're not super powerful but what they're good at is you can play retro games because retro games don't require any energy yes so essentially 
you can, instead of buying one of those retro Nintendos, uh, you know, you can get a Raspberry Pi. You can get a whole kit. Like uh, in on Canadian Amazon, anyways, there's a company that sells these kits. So you get a Raspberry Pi, a power unit, a memory card, a case, all the stuff you need. Mm-hmm. And essentially, you make your own little retro video game system, and you can get one for about 100 bucks, and then you load it with ROMs. It's really um, designed to be user-friendly. So once you, you can pair Bluetooth controllers really easily to it, and then you have like a retro game system the thing is uh raspberry pis they're very basic so they don't even have power buttons like that's something that if you want an on and off switch you have to like install one yourself kind of thing so the case i bought the nes case it's it's a replica to look like a miniature nes but it actually has circuits inside so some cases they literally are designed to fit around your raspberry pi so all the ports the usb ports the ethernet cable the plug there's just a hole in the case that goes through to your Raspberry Pi. This thing, you actually connect wires on the inside of it so that the USB ports on this box are actually built into the case itself. So they're sturdy. They're not like, uh, you know, the, the ones that are on the, the Raspberry Pi itself. So, and it's got a functioning on and off switch, which is nice. So it does feel like you have this little mini console and uh, yeah, so it's good. It's a good thing. Oh. Yeah. Do you want to play me another song? Uh, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, you know me. I love my retro gaming too. So I'd love to get something like that. They do have a system on the way, as you know, mm. from Jared. But uh, anyway, so uh, there's another album that came out. It's actually been a really good last couple of days in the synth scene. Uh, Compiler Bow has brought out a new album. That is how you pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have to ask him. He actually sent me an audio to because <laughs> I kept getting it wrong. Mm. So the album just came out and I think uh, the album's called Trickster's Paradise it's 14 track LP and uh, the track that I picked to play off it is Charlatan I love that word charlatan (laughs) yeah more people should be called charlatans it's a funny thing to call somebody It really is. Like, I'm going to uh, start doing that more often when I'm mad at people. Like, you fucking charlatan. Like, it's just an awesome thing. <laughs> anyway, let's, uh, let's listen to this. So this is uh, Compiler Bow with the track Charlatan.
And that was Charlatan by Compiler Bow off his new LP. That's the thing I should practice saying, LP. I call everything EPs all the time. <laughs> I had a weird idea. I, I don't know if this will be useful to people, and this is going to be way out of left field. Yes. So I'm trying to cut sugar out of my diet right now. It's a good idea, dude. Not like an idiot. I'm trying to cut out extraneous sugar. Yes. So obviously there is fucking processed sugar in everything we eat. So I'm just saying, okay, well, I'm not going to put sugar in my tea. I'm going to try and cut out Coke, uh, Coca-Cola, and candy. You know, just things that... Because when I have snacks around, I will eat them all the time. Mm. And there's lots of other things that, you know, that I'm trying to uh, change in my life or work out to make myself more efficient and stuff like that. And I started thinking about trying to maybe create like a Facebook group or if someone else is interested in almost like creating like a support group thing Mm -hmm. that people can join. And if they have like habits they're trying to quit or goals they're trying to stick to that they can like talk about it in sort of like a private Facebook group that acts sort of like a support group for people. Because sometimes it's like habits, right? Like you want to break them and not all of us can go to like Alcoholics Anonymous type things where, you know, you sit around and chat and sometimes it'd be cool just to have a place where people could go to, um, you know, just like confirm that they're still going on their goals and have like sort of like a positive atmosphere for people to talk but not necessarily have to say what it is yeah right so if you still want to be like private about it like hey maybe you're trying to like get off the cocaine you don't really want to talk about publicly that's the thing but you just want a place to go to you know confirm that you're on the right track and that you're meeting your goals and stuff like that and so like sort of a like a facebook support group for people but like a general support group because i think i need one (laughs) i'm saying this sort of like selfishly but I mean, like, yeah, I think I could use one to help keep on my goals, you know, a place where I could just go and say like, hey, you know, I made it a week with, you know, without eating any candy or like <laughs> or w- whatever the thing is. Right. Because everyone got, got something that they want to quit or they or goals they want to yeah. s- stick to, you know, whether like they want to cut out booze or porn or whether they're trying to do something positive. Hey, like, really? The people want to cut out porn? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a thing to cut out. I mean, like... It can affect your sex life, apparently, you know? The, the point is, it's... I want to, I want to <laughs> create a place where people can... Where it's not specific. It's not like... Uh, it, it can be like the Beyond Synth support group or whatever. And then if people can... If they want to talk about what their thing is, they can, but they don't have to. But just a place where you can be accountable. Like, sort of the honor system. So if you do fall off, you have a place where you can go, Hey, guys, you know, uh, I fucking gave in and you know did some coke today or whatever whatever the fucking thing is because a lot of people i see them do it on their public facebook pages you know we're just like yeah and no one wants to see that it's annoying no it is annoying i know if there's any listeners out there uh to be on synth that there's something i'm telling you like this is something that i could use personally for me mm-hmm. to just keep to my goals because i can never seem to quit any of the things that are like say my vices for more than like a week or two so if i say right now i'm gonna cut out sugar mm-hmm. i know that within a week i'll be drinking pop every day again and and i know that moderation for me personally doesn't work it's like if i try and cut out sugar for example and then one day i'm like well i can have like i can have a sip of coke and then the next day i'm drinking coke again like it's that quick for me the same with other things like exercise like you know Mm. you know i I say every day i'm gonna do just a few exercises and then one day i go well i'm not gonna do it today and then i don't do it ever again and like that's it and so I know I could use some sort of like support thing. And I think there's other people out there like that. So and listeners, if you're listening, uh, if anyone wants to set that up or thinks that that would be like a useful thing, I'm saying it it can be as anonymous or, um, or as open as you want to be about what you're trying to do. And then we can uh, help each other out. Fucking 
get some goals and be better people. Well, I find if I'm ever trying to quit anything at all, you know, like I'm trying to ch- or cha- make changes, I always find uh, exercise is paramount for it. for me. That's what works for me. Like if I if I'm doing a strict training routine, then other things are easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It's like it's just that discipline of of exercising and and, and being healthy. Like it helps. Like with uh, cutting out carbs or sugar or. Whatever it is, you know, even when I've tried to give up smoking, you know, when I've done that, that's another thing. It had to be exercise. Otherwise, you know, if I'm unhealthy in other areas and I'm like, well, fuck it, who cares? You know, I'll just eat shit and I'll fucking smoke. You know, I don't yeah. care. And I think also, so. too, it's about that discipline. Because what I'm sort of talking yeah, about discipline. is that it's that yeah. accountability. Because I know for me personally, you know, I've never like discussed it with people really. Like, and sometimes I think it's just nice mm. to have a place to go where you can be sort of. You know, where it's supportive, but there's a bit of accountability so that you actually feel good about going like, hey, like I actually, you know, I completed my goal or whatever. Like, you know, things are going okay and there's someone to talk to because I don't I don't always find that it's useful to do that just with like your close friends or something. Because sometimes it's like Mm. they'll, they'll accept you no matter what. And so you don't have that same sense of accountability as you do if you're, like, dealing with, like, a group. I mean, essentially what a support group is, right? I mean, like, that's the point. Yeah, you could be onto something here, Andy. Anyway. That's my idea. It's pretty vague, but if if someone listening no. out there likes the idea and wants to like set up the page, I'll fucking be a administrator or whatever for the for the um no, you- and it can be whatever you want, man. I don't care if it's people maintaining goals, if it's stuff you want to quit, drugs, booze, whatever, uh, especially coke. Cocainum. Cocainum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's my plan. Uh, Play me a song. Okay, you want another one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. I uh, <laughs> how do I say this? I was a bit of an asshole last week to uh, my fiance, Jazzy. So I just I uh, was going to play a song for her uh, and apologize. I'm sorry, Jazzy. Uh, really sorry. I was a jerk, but uh, you know me. Um, I can't help myself. But uh, no, there's a new track from Bernston. I uh, burn. Uh, I never say this properly, man. I think it's Bernston. Anyway, it's called The Origin. It's a beautiful song, um, and it makes me think of Jazzy because she's also very beautiful too. All right. Well, this one goes out to Jazzy from Marco. He's sorry. (laughs) And here is The Origin by Bernson.
And that was Burnson with the track The Origin, an apology song from Marco Merrick to his fiancée, Jazzy. <laughs> it is a lovely song. So you're trying to give up uh, you're trying to give up sugar or cut back on sugar, huh? Well, I'm trying to do a bunch of things at the same time because I'm trying to make myself more productive and I know for probably like 4 years I've been saying that same thing all the time, but sugar mm-hmm. I'm curious like, you know, with my heart doing that thing, I keep trying to find patterns and going like what is it that's setting it off and at one point i thought it's like oh maybe it's you know caffeine or whatever but so for the past few days i've cut out i I don't put sugar in my tea but i'll still drink tea and i've noticed it's not as my heart's not going as nuts and i'm starting to think that maybe sugar might be the cause i mean like it's still doing it look dude i cannot sugar is one of the worst things and it's one of the biggest fucking lies ever told is the fact that fat is bad for you, you know, that makes you fat. It is the most ridiculous thing, and it's all coming out now. I mean, it's crazy. They're even saying now there's a, a lot of suggestions and a lot of studies that is suggesting that even saturated fat isn't bad for you. That doesn't c- cause cholesterol. They're saying everything is, is from sugar, they reckon now. And, you know, this is something I've suspected for a long time because I've experimented with diets a lot. Uh, with being gluten-free, being dairy-free, carb-free, uh, you know, saturated fat-free, all, all sorts of shit. And mm. sugar is just really fucking bad for you. You know, it really is. Yeah. I mean, my brother just got type 2 diabetes. He got mm. diagnosed with, and um, it's really bad. I mean, he was really unhealthy, though. All he was, I mean, he was having so much sugar, you know, like ridiculous amounts. And um, he's in his mid-40s now, and... Um, you know, like last year, the doctor said, like, he collapsed and they had to take him to the hospital, literally, you know, in an ambulance. And they said, um, the doctor was, man, are you lucky to be alive? You know, basically. I've noticed that um, I think it's the sugar that makes me sleepy. So, like, when I will drink, like, a pop, for example, sometimes I would do that to be like, hey, I'll stay awake by drinking some caffeinated drink. But they're always heavily, like, sugar in them. And I think, like, the sugar for my metabolism outweighs the caffeine. Mm, I see. So, you know, I might get an energy boost for, like, five minutes, but then I will actually fall asleep. Yeah, but then you crash. Yeah, I get that, too. I get that, too. I notice as I get older, sugar really affects me a lot. When I was a kid, it didn't fucking... I didn't get no crash or... I I don't know. It just wasn't like that. But, yeah, as you get older, you really notice the effect it has on your body, for sure. Right now, I'm just trying to keep, like, a realistic goal. Like, because, obviously, there's people who go crazy about trying to remove move processed sugar from their diet and that's hard because everything we eat and you know like i don't know it's the same in australia but everything like north america like it's everything has sugar in it north america is a lot worse than australia yeah yeah Yeah, like everything is is sweetened i mean like the fucking salt probably has sugar in it no you even fucking dip your fucking bacon in maple syrup in the u.s (laughs) what the fuck is that it's like you cure it in maple syrup See, that's the thing, because I've seen some people when they do, like, the carb diets, I I don't want to cut out fruit and stuff. No, no, Like, I just want to cut out any time I'm literally just putting straight sugar into my body. Yeah. So, look, yeah, there's sugar in my peanut butter, but I'm not going to be like, I'm going to buy the stupid healthy peanut butter where you got to stir it every time because it's like a fucking tub of oil, basically, (laughs) and you have to keep it refrigerated and it's always fucking solid. Like, no, no, I'm still going to eat the same peanut butter, but, like... You know, I'm just not going to put like heaping teaspoons of sh- sugar into my drinks and I'll cut out Coke because that it literally just is a can of sugar and I'm going to, you know, just just things like that and candy when it's just literally just pure fucking food coloring and sugar like things like that but it's hard because i love candy i love it yeah and coke chocolate any of the things that i can't stop eating you know where it's like sweets or whatever i've never been able to like go for a month like never like i can do a week maybe and then it always falls apart and i think i just 
part of what I'm trying to do is reach that one month and that two month where I can actually say like, wow, like I actually didn't have a Coke for a month and I've never done that in my life yeah. and I'd like to be able to, but I always give up around the fucking two week mark. It's always when I give up. I don't even, it doesn't even feel like giving up. It's just like, well, who cares? It's like my brain literally tricks me into thinking I don't care anymore about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the sign that there's, you know, that you've got a compulsion in your brain that needs to be like rewired. And I think you just have to go cold turkey. And it's not about moderation. It's just like, cut this shit out. Yeah, it works. I mean, it's hard, but yeah, yeah, that's that's the key. Yeah, because I'm going to go for sugar and I'm not even going to try and do anything else. So like salt, I'm fine with. I'll still eat fucking chips and stuff like that. I just won't eat candy because I eat candy, man. Like I like it. I like candy and and stuff like that. Yeah, no, no candy, no sugar, man, no refined fucking sugar no refined carbs mate but I don't think is is like sugar cane any better than refined sugar is it just the same shit it's the same shit man it's the same shit I mean, another option is have, having stuff with uh, sativa in it, you know? That's a natural sweetener that isn't... It, it's all right. I mean, it's not at the same as sugar, of course, but it, it, it's, it's decent. You, know, you can get you can get Coke now with sativa in it. Um, uh, it was sweetened with that instead of fucking sugar. Oh, I like drank that, it. You know? there they are other they released this fucking... There was these Cokes that they released over here, and they were like in a green can because they used different sweetener, and they were fucking gross. Oh my god, <laughs> it was disgusting. It tasted. Well, okay, I think that was the one actually. <laughs> oh, it's, it tasted like fucking flat shit. Like it was the worst. Flat. It was good for the first drink, like you know, whenever you get that when you drink a cold pop and you get that first bit, that that mm-hmm. that, that sizzle of just yeah, that's awesome. And then, like, the second drink was just, like, drinking fucking piss. Like, it was just disgusting. Uh-oh. And I know all about drinking piss, buddy. Yikes. Yes, man. Um. <laughs> it's another thing I'm trying to quit. <laughs> I've, not, I've not gone a month. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do it, Andy. I know you can do it, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll stay strong. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. man, we should probably... Uh, we should probably... <laughs> <laughs> At least you can laugh now and not cough. Like it is not. Well, know, I almost did there. I fucking. I, I had to hold it in. There. I heard you were close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still, it's a lot better. Yeah. Do you want to? Uh, do you want to end on a track this week? Yeah. Yep. Sure. I do have one more and another awesome album that uh, came out. Well, it was last week actually, but. Uh, Orax, you you familiar with Orax yourself, there, buddy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, he's got a new album out that's available at uh, New Retrowave uh, Record Label. See, see, oddly enough, that I've never heard of. You never heard of the New Retrowave? No, no, no one's ever talked about no. it. I've never heard about it. What is that? Well, they've launched. You know, they have. They've had it for a while now. It's been. I don't know what you've been doing, Andy. It's been mm. what two years or more now. Um. They yeah no they release a lot of different albums obviously they're doing all right with their YouTube channel so they do have uh, they've really marketed it all and brand have their own brand and all that shit. I've heard of DJ Ten. Does he have anything to do with that? Yeah, DJ Ten <laughs> is actually the man behind New Retro Wave. Hmm. Um, I know there is a little bit of resentment towards him uh, from the community. If you follow the Facebook groups, not not aware of Facebook. You're not aware of Facebook. Hmm. Okay, well. That's good. Um, <laughs> anyway, he has got a new album. Orax does have a new album out called Deeper. I believe there's vinyls available. I think they're not just vinyls by the looks of it. Um, I've always been a fan of his. Uh, his new album's really fucking good. Uh, the track I want to play off that is Bounty Killer. All right, man. Well, listen. 
we'll throw to this track, but you have a lovely uh, week. Okay, thanks, buddy. I will do. Nice talking to you. You, you too, man. You too. And uh, hopefully you can stay off that sugar and the um, porn as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try. I'm going to try, man. <laughs> uh, I'm not ready to give up porn just yet. But uh... is, there, is there like a sativa-like alternative to pornography? Just like looking at women in micro bikinis? Or? Not really. You just need the real thing. Yeah. Uh, until I'm with Jazzy, I just need to, you know, I mean, you need the real thing. So I'm, 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 all, I'm on my own, so I've got an excuse, okay? Oh, my God. Hold on. I just started coughing again. All right. Well, listen, you yeah. have a lovely week. It was good talking to you, and we'll, uh, we'll fucking keep it 80s next week, buddy. All right. Thanks, Andy. Don't forget, keep it real and keep it 80s. See you, everyone. All right, man. And now we're going to listen to uh, Orax with the track Bounty Killer.
And that was Bounty Killer by Orax, Marco's final pick of the week, and we will miss him. And that was Marco just clicking away on his mouse. (laughs) There's always something going on with his microphone or whatever, and then... (laughs) This week, like, the mic sounded good, but then you can just hear his finger clicking his mouse every two seconds. Maybe he was playing Minesweeper. Remember Minesweeper? That was a game. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go to the Patreon real quick. As you guys know, Beyond Synth has a Patreon. Uh, Patreon is a way to donate money to the show. It's a website, patreon.com, and uh, it's a monthly donation system. So you can donate a dollar a month to the show if you want to. It really helps. Or you can donate more, like the special people I'm about to mention today. But uh, it helps keep the show on schedule, man. That's pretty much what uh, the Patreon is all about. And uh, it helps me out to make the show. And that's pretty much it. So listen, I just have to acknowledge here Daniel Dexius, because he uh, boosted his Patreon donation. He's a super guy. And new donor Tim Ross. I believe he is a new donor, but we'll... We'll get to that. But uh, thanks, Tim, for your support. You're a cool guy. Donating to Beyond Synth has made you a cool guy. And I want to thank you. Uh, today, we're just going to run through. We're going to do it quick. So maybe we'll do just the donation of the Beast and the $10 donors today, all right? So now it's time for the donation of the Beast. This is the donation of the These, of course, are the people who donate 666, compelled by the fires of hell. And I thank them for their support. There's Renton Brax, Lucas Ceballos, Blake Peterson, Carm, Straylight, Lonnie Taylor, Till Wild, Ken Giroux, and Moose Knox. And then there's Max Hutchings, keeping evil at bay. And now, my lovely $10 Pattersons. There's Colin Bennett, Winfield, Will Lowe, Joshua Evison, fucking slunks, Greg Smith, Ashley Keegan, Mike Shima, Playmaker Media, Murat Ogute, Elias Garnier, Polly Digital, Trevor Resnick, and Fraser Davidson. And my special donors with their wacky amounts. Uh, as always, the lovely Chris Lyle-Lane. And Frank Skinicki. Jacob Wick. And then my lovely $25 pals. There's Chris Dance. Gregorio Franco. And Clint Dowling. Thank you all for your support. You're all very cool people. Uh, speaking of Gregorio Franco, I'm going to have him on the show real soon because he makes cool music, and we'll talk to him probably in, a, in an upcoming show. And that's all I know about that. So let's close the Patreon. 
And maybe we'll listen to a track, and then we will go to my conversation with Signal Noise. So what should we listen to? All right, this is a cool one. This is by Isidore, or Isidore? Hmm, I did not get clarification on that. It's I-S-I-D-O-R. To me, it looks like Isidore, but maybe it's Isidore. I don't know. I'm going to say Isidore, dude, and you can let me know if I'm right or wrong, and I will issue a correction, but I will forget to do that. But it's okay. Anyway, this is uh, this is Isidore from the album 3218, and this track is called Utopia Phase.
And that was Utopia Phase uh, by Isador off the album 3218. And remember, you can check out all the links from the artists I feature on the show on the SoundCloud page. So when you go and listen to Beyond Synth on SoundCloud, click the More Info button, and then there's all the links you're going to need to all the artists featured on the show. And you can go support their work because um, we play cool music here. And cool music should be supported. So, we're going to go to my conversation with Signal Noise. I should point out that I do have a cold voice during this interview because I recorded it a few weeks ago and my cold was in full effect. So a few times you're going to hear me with that sort of nasally voice and uh, I apologize. And we had a good chat. It was, uh, it was a good time. I should also point out that this interview was recorded before I recorded uh, Keeping It 80s with Marco this week. So if you're wondering why I'm talking about RetroPie as if I haven't got one yet, but I just talked to Marco about having just got one. It's because uh, these conversations were recorded in reverse order. So maybe that's like a little spoiler. So just in case, because you're going to listen to Signal Noise and like, why is Andy talking about wanting to buy a thing that he just mentioned that he had? And now you know! Anyways, let's go to my conversation with Signal Noise. Alright, and I am here with Signal Noise, uh, a.k.a. Hey, man. James White, is that correct? <laughs> That's me, man. So, you are a artist, an an-artist, is that correct? That is, uh, you're right, I am an-artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm a singular artist. <laughs> yeah, it's cool, because we don't... Uh, I don't often have, you know, the visual artists that do uh, work in... Well, in and around the scene, uh, your dishwasher just stopped. Is that correct? That is, yeah. My my dishes are all clean. Yeah. <laughs> just in case anyone was wondering why there was a humming noise and now there isn't one, it's uh, the dishwasher. Yeah, dishwasher. The dishes are clean in Nova Scotia, everybody. Sweet it's man. Okay. So you uh, you've done lots of art for some uh, you know synthwave projects that people would know. I mean, you obviously do a lot more than that. But how I came to know you obviously was with the. Uh, you know the gunship and the yeah. uh, the FM eighty four art that I co opted for my set, which we can talk about. Yeah, yeah, we can we can talk about you hearing from my lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I got a, I got a whole thing already pre written. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty sweet. So people want to know you've done uh, the gunship artwork, which is like the the polygon mountain in front of that sun. Yeah, that sort of synthwave sun. People are calling the signal noise sun because I. <laughs> I saw some people on Twitter, maybe it was even the Midnight, who were calling out everybody who sort of uses that was it iconography? Is that the word? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, and I've had I've had a couple of conversations with people online about that. Um, and there's a whole like you know a whole history of me using that in my artwork and how it's sort of uh, you know become almost the uh, the logo for a lot of the scene, which is uh, which is pretty cool. And I mean, we can yeah, we can talk about that story uh, uh, if you want to. Oh, that was a motorcycle going up the street there. I don't know if you've heard that. I got I got the Hell's Angels living uh, a couple doors down. Oh, I just thought it was a dishwasher. <laughs> I thought it was a dishwasher <laughs> just driving past your house. 
<laughs> yeah, my dishwasher sounds like a Harley. It's, uh, yeah, it's badass. But yeah, yeah, like the uh, the sun. You want me to just uh, like kind of talk about that, or uh, you can talk about it, whatever it, you want, man. The sky is the limit. Great. Well, we covered the dishes, so yeah. let's get into the sun. <laughs> we didn't really cover the dishes, by the way. We just uh, acknowledged <laughs> that dishes were being washed. If you want to open up your dishwasher and tell me exactly what sort of dishes you have, are you a fine china man? Um, no, no, I'm a very utilitarian. Uh, you know, <laughs> stuff my parents gave me when I moved out kind of guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah most of them match. Um, you know, I have a, I have a very, very fine... My most expensive dishes are uh, a six-glass, uh, like, tumbler set featuring uh, superheroes on them, like Iron Man and Superman and stuff. And I got each of them for, like, three bucks. So, nice. you know... Yeah, very, very upscale over here. <laughs> what are they worth now, man? That's the key. eBay. Oh, like $3.85 now. It's, I'm, I'm going to cash out, man. This this art thing, I'm just biding my time before I can sell my Tumblr collection. Yeah, man, might as well. Fucking, you know. <laughs> anyway, so, so go on. Tell me the story of the Synthwave Sun. Yeah, beautiful. And this is a weird one, and I'm sure, like, you know, there are going to be varying moments during uh, during my telling the story. There might be naysayers that say, that didn't happen like that, or whatever. But this is just the uh, the story through my experience of, uh, of dealing with it. So, I run a, uh, a Tumblr called uh, Uzicopter. That didn't happen. That... <laughs> That, that totally <laughs> happened. I totally have the login information here. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being one of those naysayers. Since it's only you and I here, I feel like in order to uh, delve into both sides of the story, I think I have to uh, play devil's advocate. Yeah, keep me on my toes, man. You're the only one that can troll me right now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, I run uh, I run a Tumblr called Uzicopter, and it's basically I, I initially created it just for myself to kind of have a uh, a mood board and and a place to store pre-existing art for reference and inspiration and uh, and just stuff I can scroll through and get kind of uh, psyched up to work on a, a personal piece of art or a client job or whatever. And it was around a time I was doing a lot of pop culture work, so like movie posters for The Thing and, uh, um, you know, I did a, a Drive poster a couple of years before that. And I was at a point in my career where I really wanted to develop my own content. When you're doing pop culture stuff, you're just playing into a pre-existing franchise hoping that they either see it and don't sue you or see it and hire you. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is sort of a racket, and, you know, licenses are really expensive. So I, um, around that time, I decided I wanted to make my own artwork. I was getting into listening to a lot of Synthwave around the time. It was, uh, you know, I, I'd known about it for a, a few years prior, but the, the scene was still kind of getting its footing, and, you know, I was discovering new artists and stuff, and I thought... I've been sort of, um, you know, an aficionado on making art that's retro-inspired anyway because I'm a child of the 80s and, you know, I love creating stuff from that era. So that that wasn't all that new, but I wanted to do stuff that was very, very focused on the synthwave scene. Mm -hmm. So listening to a lot of uh, my favorite artists at the time and, and trying to develop artwork based on what I think the artwork should look like or what the music should look like uh, visually so I just I started experimenting with some styles you know and, and the grid and uh, and wireframe thing had been around for a few years because um, it was this is post Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon uh, era as well so the, those styles have been, kind of been tossed around in the scene 
But um, I started kind of messing around with things that I was seeing on the Uzi Copter blog, the stuff that I had kind of um, I'd posted or saved on there. And one T-shirt from from back in the '80s had like this crummy-looking palm tree on it in front of the sun with the lines going through it. And the colors were were completely different to what I ended up using, but that that sort of resonated with me. So right, and it, it's sort of interesting too. Like the um, around this time, I was about halfway through the first piece of my Overdrive series, and you can see that on my blog, uh, or on my website, SignalNoise.com, and I developed this this series in 2013 or 2014, and I was halfway through the Polygon Mountain with the, uh, the kind of hexagon the 3d hexagon uh, thing floating above it with that giant sun behind it when gunship got a hold of me so i had already started this piece for my own personal art series mm-hmm. when dan from uh, gunship got a hold of me and asked me you know if i wanted to develop the uh, the cover for the first album i said yeah sure of course and um i think at that point i listened to a couple of the tracks that he'd sent me over and of course i loved what i heard and uh but and i i actually sent over and i said you know, this one might work for your album cover. This this pre-existing, you know, artwork I did just a few days prior to that, which was the mountain. And um, initially, they weren't they they weren't into it, which was fine by me because I was going to develop something for them anyway. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, that's cool. So I posted it on my Instagram, and it got like a really big reaction from uh, I don't know so much from the scene, but certainly from my audience. And uh, I don't know if it's they changed their mind independently or they saw the reaction and went, oh goddamn, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get that one. But uh, but uh, I got an email a couple days later, and uh, they had reconsidered and said, "Yeah, we we want that for our for our cover," which was awesome. And um, so I made uh, made some tweaks. I polished up the piece and uh, and got it done. And I developed the logo for them as well. And that became like that first the first sign of that sun on the cover of a synthwave album. Up until that time, was that one, which was super cool. And again, I, I didn't develop it specifically for a band or a group or a musician. I just kind of did it for myself. I wanted this strange, simplified aesthetic to be kind of running throughout the Overdrive series. Well, listen, man. Uh, we'll we'll keep we'll dive into this more, but we got to listen to some music first. Hell yeah! And then uh, we'll continue chatting. So uh, here's a track. Uh, this is a track by Admo. Uh, it's called Polybius.
And that was Polybius by Admo. And that is a cool song, and I am talking right now to Signal Noise, a.k.a. James White. How have you been during that song, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. Good. So the bottom line is this here. So you've come up with some sort of synthwave style artwork that a lot of people sort of now associate with the scene, you know, like this the, the way the sun looks and the polygon kind of shapes and things. Yeah. And and the color scheme as well. There's there's something to the, the color scheme as well. Because a lot of the artwork, um, especially the stuff that you sort of showcase on your website, signalnoise.com, <laughs> uses a, a, a certain palette. Yeah. So, like, how did you how did you arrive at this palette? Because it seems like you like working with it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's something that's sort of happened by chance too. Like I was saying back in 2014 when I started doing the the Overdrive series, that really started to dictate what my palette would be for the for the coming years. And I mean, if you look at like you said, if you look at uh, my portfolio right now, it's a very consistent color scheme. You, you'd swear I only have pink and orange and navy blue installed on my computer right yeah. now, <laughs> and that's like across across the board. It's a strange evolution that uh, how I ended up at that. It's just it's a lot of trial and error, and it was a lot of just gravitating toward a palette that I liked that made me happy. And it, it took years to kind of like refine what that looked like. And um, in the synthwave scene, like uh, of course I'm always listening to synthwave when I'm when I'm developing my artwork for clients or for myself or whatever. And and my favorite synthwave tracks are the ones that this could sound super cheesy maybe you'd agree <laughs> but they're the ones that kind of make me happy okay yeah 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 so you know when I'm but I'm, I like the darker stuff as well but the stuff that I like to design for are the more of the lighter more of the happier tracks and uh, that's why I use such bright colors and that kind of thing and that's not to say that I that I mean I absolutely love stuff like you know Carpenter Brute you know Perturbator and and uh, Mega Drive and all those guys but uh you know, when the artwork that I make, I'm I'm very um I, I, I don't usually put you know skulls and and dark darker imagery in my stuff. I like stuff that looks kind of happy, more like Miami and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I just kind of I've always done that too. In my in my even my logo is a spectrum, and I always sort of gravitated toward colors that are more on the happy happier lighter side. You know, for me. You know, as much as I love synthwave, there are certain things I can't do while listening to it. Like, so I can't write. Like, I can't physically write very well. Like, Oh, really? So there's music that inspires imagery in me. So, you know, say I'm, I'm coming up with ideas or I have to, like, write scripts or something. Like, when I, when I try to do it anyway, I, I never have any time to. But right. oftentimes I'll listen to music independently of writing. You know, I listen to, like, some cool perturbator track or something and I'm going, oh, this would be wicked music to be in some, like, big robot battle scene. Right. And I'll imagine the imagery uh, in my head and go, like, oh, here's what this is. Or when I listen to certain people's music and think about, hey, wouldn't this be cool uh, music video idea for them? And then I'll, I'll come up with a whole music video in my head. Right. But but the actual point where you got to put pen to paper or, like, sit down and move my fingers on a keyboard to type, then I can't listen to music that's that busy. Right. So it's like, I actually write better with, like, classical music playing if I need to work on writing. Now, if I'm doing technical tasks, yeah. so, for example, if, if I'm... Um, I do some like mild animation work, like corporate style videos, like nothing cool. So like I don't show it to people. (laughs) But when it's technical, when it's really technical, where it's just I'm in After Effects and for the next few hours, I'm just like, you know, renaming layers and copying and moving things and organizing folders and stuff. Then, yeah, I can listen to cool music. Right. But uh, it it just depends. It depends what sort of part of my brain is is required. And if it requires a lot of sort of like deep thought and contemplation, then it's hard for me to 
do that with like noisy music. Right, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort of the same way with me. And like when I'm you know writing contracts or I have to write a bunch of emails or long emails or stuff like that, I can't listen to stuff that has. Uh, words in it because mm-hmm. that really it's just kind of like when I'm listening to something with words and I'm trying to get the words out of my head like that's that's a conflict right so for you it would be uh, yeah the more busy the music that's where that conflict comes in where you need kind of something smooth and ambient in the background to get the ideas out right yeah and sometimes too when I'm trying to organize my thoughts around things I find because I listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, mostly comedy but also like science and educational type things right and sometimes I'll be listening to people talking you know like some professors or something and i'm like oh that's really interesting and then it and then it makes me think of an idea like a a conversation piece or a question that i've got to ask myself later to sort of um learn more about whatever's being discussed and then i'll have to pause the podcast and then sort of sort the thoughts out in my head before i can like you know it's almost like i don't know if you've ever done this i do this i'm one of those people who sometimes will rehearse arguments like in the shower Yeah, I do that. I totally do that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that people don't ever really talk about, but my wife has caught me <laughs> rehearsing an argument, like an argument that's never going to happen. But sometimes I think there's, yeah, I don't know what the psychology of it is that to, you know, you're playing out scenarios in your head. Yeah. Like, let me ask you this. Like, have you done that? I don't want to, I don't want to take a turn and talk about this stuff directly, but have you, have you seen a rise in your rehearsing arguments you'll never have with the current state of the world in the last year. <laughs> you know yes, I, mean? I have. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that. Well, we 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 can talk about that because like I'm one of those people. Well, fuck it, I don't care if people know. Like I'm. Uh, <laughs> Well, I'm, st- I, you know, I've always considered myself to be like when it comes to political stuff. Like I'm not a super political dude, mm. but. Lately, I found uh, like I always considered myself like a pretty like liberal progressive guy, and I still think that I am. But seeing sort of the craziness that's happening on both sort of polar ends of the spectrum uh, means that I'm really trying to sharpen my knowledge on certain things more, just to right. just to have like facts because like. I'm seeing people, you know, like just just the way that people get like torn down on like social media and stuff and yeah. that there aren't really like kind of real conversations. It's like people will sort of like gang up on people like the second they they don't like a thing that they said or they used the wrong word or something. And for some reason that really gets to me. Yeah. It's frustrating me a bit because I, I would always consider myself to be on the side of these people like you know like, like the more liberal side of things yeah I see what you mean but I'm seeing like a lot of these sorts of people start to really like not really listen to other viewpoints and sort of shut them down and, and it sort of frustrates me and so yeah, I yeah. do rehearse kind of things in my head because I just want to be clear about like certain ideas and stuff it's hard isn't it like um, yes you know <laughs> we, we live in the world like you know the uh, um, I don't know if the world was always this political or or you know I have this theory of of, uh, you know the internet is amplifying everything so no it is it is like for sure access yeah, yeah. yeah access to all of this information and you know and whether people are uh, on the right side of things or on the wrong side of things everybody can find some stupid ass fact to back up the bullshit that they're saying right like yes so, yes yes you know and you know the and if they find this one fact they'll ignore the 300 that refute it but they found that one fact that that backs up whatever garbage yeah. they think and that's that's part of like the problem that we're in right now is uh you know people are are very willing to like you said they're willing to ignore everything around them 
Uh, you know, you have 300 people saying you're on fire and you're just not going to believe it. But And that's the problem. Like, you have these sort of thought bubbles online or, you know, they call them whatever, the echo chambers or whatever. And, you know, yeah. it's very easy to go on Reddit and surround yourself with people that also have horrible ideas. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's... Uh, and, yeah, so anyway, yeah, back, back to, um, you know, two grown men talking about being in the shower. Uh, yeah. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the sort of thing that uh, that I got that I do as well. It's like kind of rehearse and um, and try to be more um, aware of not so much the multiple multiple sides of an argument or even just tr- even trying to back up what I'm trying to say. It's just more like just trying to be conscientious and and thoughtful and you know considerate to to other people. You know, and there there are ideas floating around out there right now that are very not considerate to to other people and uh you know and that that those are sort of like the broad strokes of what's happening right now it's like you know if if the idea of being considerate to another human being is now under fire like what where the hell are we man like no there's a lots on? of fucking wacky things going on man and like it's, yeah. it's 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 frustrating because i think i mean there is this weird sort of polarization i suppose Ooh, yeah. my my hope is and I, I i believe this that i think the majority of people are sort of kind of in the center yeah and yeah. you know like I, I do believe that that is where the majority of people are like just reasonable people who just like you know because hold on let's listen to some more music we'll fucking we'll continue <laughs> yeah. this here uh, here's a track by Beatum Axe. Beatum Max. Beat. It's it's a play on words. It's like Beta Max, but it's Beatum Max. B e a t apostrophe e m Max. You got that? Good, motherfuckers. Here's a track called "The Rage" by Beatum Max.
And that was Beatamax with the track The Rage. Uh, Beatamax. Type in Beatamax into Google and see what you get. And now I'm here with Signal Noise, a.k.a. James White, artist extraordinaire who does cool things. And we're, <laughs> we're talking about uh, serious topics. But yeah, uh, to your point, I mean, like, I will sit there and, I, and I'm just trying to sort things out. I think the best possible thing to do right now is just to get myself and my mind straight on certain certain things like it, it helps me out because it's not so much about changing other people's minds because like when you talk before about people in echo chambers and stuff yeah it's it's like they're not there to have their minds changed i mean like that's what's what's happened that's the problem yeah yeah because there's this weird idea now like with both extremes that like the other side is just wrong and evil right but both they both think that about each other mm. and so it's really difficult and weird to be in the middle where i'm starting to see the value of I mean, I guess I always did, but now I'm starting to appreciate more why it's necessary that we have so many different viewpoints and like how yeah. like you need, you need different, like, like, like I say, I mean, like I'm, I'm a liberal kind of dude. So, you know, before I mean, when I was younger, I might've been more dismissive of like conservative type values. Right. Cause I, mm. I'm, I don't, I don't share those really, but now I'm starting to understand a bit more why it's important that I do acknowledge them. Right. Because there's a reason, like there's a reason for all of these things. And it doesn't mean it's going to shift my political view or like who I vote for, but it means like, Hey, you know, the only way you can really get somewhere and like, you know, get to the truth of the, the issue or whatever is if you actually like have both sides and you can actually listen to both things and go like, Oh, you know, you have a point here. You have a point there. I, I disagree with that. And here's why I disagree with that yeah. and have an argument. It's like, people don't want to have arguments, right? You got the you know the people on the campuses who are just fucking like protesting every time someone comes to talk that they don't like mm. and it's sort of like that's weird you know where it's, <laughs> it like i mean cuz if you if what someone says is so wrong and stupid then certainly you can argue like i would argue them you know i mean that's what you do if someone has a dumb idea it's just like here's your dumb idea here's why it's dumb and i i can like argue it but yeah. when you shut people down you 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 almost give their cause like more strength because then you see all these internet headlines about people who get their talks shut down and then it makes it bigger than if it was just the idiot comes to your school and speaks and like 10 people show up and nobody gives a fuck. Yeah, yeah. But, but now it's now it's a huge headline because, you know, there's protests and they don't want that guy to speak or whatever. And then it makes it a big deal when it could have just been, you know, some lame talk that nobody went to. This might be a, um, you know, a protesting uh, against people speaking on university campuses. I like how neither of us are, are mentioning any names about these people, but yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> we uh, all know what we're talking about. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, yeah. But and you know, this like having having these protests and stuff about people being shut down, and you know, one side will yell that uh, the 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 ideas are dangerous. The other side will yell, uh, you know, freedom of speech and whatever other stuff. And uh, you know, and this is just a result of everything the ecosystem of where we are right now just being heightened mm -hmm. you know everything is so extreme we have a breaking news headline every time a goddamn whoever tweets and you know it's it's yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous so everything is just at this fever pitch and you know and arguments now are broken down they're like they're micromanaging arguments now where you know this little thing i agree with that and that little thing i agree with is like like oh my god it's it's well i think it's that control of the language that people are trying to have which is bizarre because i'm seeing it now i mean what's interesting about this year as opposed to last year is uh and i'm sure people have made this joke so it's not an original joke or original <laughs> comment but on twitter now every time i see a celebrity name last year it was because they're dead 
And this year, it's because they're a rapist. Oh, right. Right? So, like, you know, every time you'd see their name, like, you'd see Twitter, like, someone's trending. And you're like, oh, fuck, he's dead? Like, you'd click on the thing, and sure enough, it's just like, you know, like, Adam West is dead, right? right. But if Adam West were still alive, then this year, you'd see Adam West's story, and then it'd be like, eight women come forward saying, you know, he said lewd comments or whatever. Yeah. So, which, obviously, it's bad, and obviously, people doing you know things like that uh, you know should be held accountable for their actions but yeah. it's interesting like whenever they'll you know some will apologize and some will deny and when they do apologize i'll literally then see like a whole swarm of tweets about how the wording of the apology was wrong and mm-hmm. how like well that's not a real apology because they didn't say this this and this and it's just like well what do they want like they literally like people like you know when when they're out for justice like someone literally has to come forward and say like an exact you know there has to be like an exact statement like there's almost like a template that people want to see mm. and if they don't then they're going to criticize like every aspect of it and it's just it's just weird to me i mean like it's it's, a, uh, it's in a weird and, and again this is sort of like um all of this stuff is is a pendulum you know and i, I was watching uh, it sucks. I can't remember the the name of the guest, but it was on the Seth Meyers uh, program. And I, lo- I love watching clips of uh, Seth Meyers. I think he's great. But he had a guest on recently that was talking about you know all of these the sexual harassment uh, accusations that are going around now against you know uh, actors and and directors and politicians and everything else. And uh, this guy made the connection, and uh, you know I think it's pretty valid about how I mean it, it can be traced back to that Access Hollywood tape with Trump, you know, and how he said those horrible things and that he can get away with all of these things and all of these women came forward and accused him of basically the same thing that all of these people are being accused of right now Mm -hmm. and he went on to be president of the United States so he essentially is continuing to just get away with it. So I think like the pendulum is kind of swinging back now and I think that's why we're seeing this kind of a wave of this stuff happening because it's like it's not cool that this stuff happens and it's not cool that he was able to to get away with that. And you know, so it's just balance of the universe. And so now this is an every time somebody else is accused it feels like it's sort of edging closer to to the presidency and, and what yeah, but it's not going to get like it, that's the thing is it's it's probably not going to get there. But that's what's that's what's amazing is like is so many you know with people coming forward and you know if and obviously like if these people were getting away with some like heinous shit for a long time they deserve to be like held accountable. But it's funny how now there is this other issue and it's it's a weird one to talk about because this is one of those touchy subjects where it's like. You want to talk about due process of the law because that is also a very important central thing to, you know, I mean, we're Canadians, obviously, but it's the same here, right? I mean, like, you want to you want to believe that there's some sort of system in place that uh, that works, especially sort of legally and stuff like that. And mm. so it's just so interesting now that, like, someone could be accused of a thing and there's no criminal trial or anything and then they just get fired and lose all their work and all their jobs and stuff Mm. if they are bad people i'm sure like they deserve it and that's fine but it is really weird also that you can literally just say something about a person say this person did bad stuff and they actually like derail their career and for the most part it's like it does seem like once these stories come out then more then more people follow and go yeah you know i like so far i don't think there's been an example yet of like an innocent dude taken down so what i'm arguing right now isn't necessarily a thing that has happened right but it still is a little weird Mm. you know that like it that's all it takes and then everyone can sort of like tumble on and sort of add on to it on like social media and then it's just you know like within like seconds of like Louis CK's thing, mm. 
uh, it's it, all all his future projects are gone. Like there was like that cartoon that was in the works. His movie, you know, is not going to come out. Right. All the projects that he's producing now, he's probably going to be like taken off as producer. FX ended their deal, and that was like in a day. Right. You know, <laughs> like it was like, and then like even like some of the people who are actors and actresses like with his agent are like his agent gets like dragged in, and now like he, you know, it's, it's so weird yeah. that it happens so quickly. Well, I was having, yeah, I was having a um a conversation about this uh, a little while ago. I think. When when, at the beginning of when these uh, these accusations started happening, and um, you know, and I'm 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 trying to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to uh, um, misquote anybody. But um, what I was told was interesting, and in that you know, people are are quick to react to these things, and because when when somebody comes forward about some of these things, like to make an accusation, they are essentially putting their own name on the line as well. You know, um, so that right. takes an immense amount of bravery to come forward and not only accuse somebody of that, but you know, you're putting your name behind it, and you're 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 basically voicing a very, very, if not the most horrible experience that you've been put through as a person, right? And you're you're coming clean with that, not to a friend, but to the media, and I think that's like the biggest. That's why people are are so quick to react because like. You know, it, it, that's something that is would would take so much. I can't even I can't even imagine what that would feel like to kind of lay bare something that's so so deeply personal and so deeply horrible. You know that that's why people are so uh, quick to react to, react to it because uh, you know nobody would want to be in that position uh, on purpose. You know, like all of these things now that we we've got the ball rolling and people are finally like coming forward and talking about like these bad experiences that they've had with people. And yet it's always like every day it's like one new one. It's not like 10 in the same day. So it's like, I wonder if there's people who like they really want to accuse somebody, but then like a bigger name star gets like accused that day. Oh. <laughs> and then they and then they wait for the next day. Because oh, right, it's yeah. like if someone's waiting, it's like, oh, I can't wait, man. Stallone did this horrible shit to me when I was young. And then on that same day, it's just like, you know, fucking Harvey Weinstein gets accused. And like, oh, fuck. All right, we'll do it tomorrow. Right. And that could be, man. I mean, maybe you have a point about how, you know, how the media handles stuff. You know, <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it's like, well, this is a bigger this is a bigger thing or that's a bigger star like who knows i mean they they clearly do that's why it's weird when i talk about this because it's like of course i'm on the side of you know what's right i mean like people shouldn't be abusing their power in that way and that's that i mean but it's also funny how like you've got like in with the louis ck one for example you've got like you know five separate accusers that you know have made these accusations before because i remember reading about it like a few years ago but when it got finally got traction and they finally you know did the research i think it was the new yorker or whatever that that published it new york times mm-hmm. but they waited for the day of his red carpet oh really that lined up that way didn't it yeah it was the red carpet like his red carpet was the next day and then they didn't do the red carpet because this story was about to break and that's why they canceled it and canceled his appearance on colbert and oh, stuff wow. so there's something weird about that that there's this weird calculation of just like, and maybe they did it on purpose. Like maybe the ladies was like, "Hey man, Louis C.K. fucked us over, so we're gonna hurt him by ruining his movie premiere." Like maybe, but it had to have been calculated because that was when it happened. Mm. Obviously, they had the story already written. 
there's something weird and cynical that goes off in my brain when I'm like, it doesn't mean it's not true. Like, it is true, and he admitted it was true. Right. Um, but it was interesting timing. It was like, if you have this evidence, and you're like, let's wait for his film premiere to fuck him over. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's funny to me that that was a decision that was clearly made, uh, because they made oh, it. Weird. No, I, I didn't even know that linked to, that linked up with anything. Oh, it was on purpose. Like, it had to have been on mm-hmm. purpose. There's stuff like that that's a little weird, because mm-hmm. it's like, if I had, like, information, and now we're seeing that this is the time that people are coming forward with stuff, I would just be, like, right off the bat, like, oh, get this weight off my chest, especially because that seems to be what people right. are doing. And, I mean, it's ultimately a good thing if it means that people are going to, you know, have normal work environments, but I bet you, while the pendulum is swinging this way... There is going to be some people that, and we're seeing it now, that are sort of getting lumped into the same... Like, every time there's a new name, they get added to this list, Mm. you know, of, like, sexual predators in Hollywood. And some of them are like, hey, touched my boob during a photo shoot. And others are like, hey, they drugged and raped me. And, And now they're all getting lumped into the same list. Which seems a little weird to me. Yeah, and again, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this this same thing and how, you know, all of this. Um, in again, I'm, I I always go to kind of like the broad strokes of uh, of things without trying to get into the the, the nitty gritty because I'm not smart enough to get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> uh, you know, the, all of these things uh, kind of they all participate within the realm of you know women being uh, degraded basically like and and it's it's there's varying degrees in there but it's all bad and it all needs to be addressed and I think that's why you know things are being kind of culminated together uh, because something needs to be done about it and you know this is it's gone on long enough and needs to be stopped it needs to be addressed it needs to be talked about and and the more the more that it's talked about and the more the more times people bring uh, bring these uh, these these bad experiences to light hopefully things will incrementally get better and safer. Yeah for people down the road but it's it's so tough to to see all of these things happen and all these stories come to light and maybe maybe it's it's a a cause of the the place that we are politically right now i mean who knows i mean we were talking about how you know maybe that access hollywood tape is the reason we're seeing this windfall right now but you know to have all of these things kind of hitting the fan at one time globally Mm. is uh Man, it's rough. It's rough to be on Twitter these days, you know. Like uh, it's it's, you know, I love I love Twitter, and you know, people are saying like, yeah. I mean, okay, how about this? Like, this, I'm, I'm switching topics a lot here. Sorry, but like, wait, do, do you want to listen to a song first? Let's listen to a song. I think people man. are going to be like, what, yeah, what's let's it? lighten this place up. <laughs> it's just like a really weird episode for people. Uh, all right, here's a cool track. This is uh, this is a track called uh, "Vicious Fighter" by Dr. J.
And that was Dr. J with the track Vicious Fighter on Beyond Synth. And I'm here uh, chatting about serious things with signal noise. This is like my most serious episode I've done. I think when we start talking, yeah, this took a strange <laughs> turn, man. It's just like this is a, everybody's going to think like this is this is what Canadians talk about when they're like having a beer in their living room. It's just like they get super like into. Well, it. I have I have made an official. Um, I made this declaration on uh, Twitter and on uh, Instagram that uh, I've officially am putting a moratorium on talking about Goldeneye sixty four because I talk about Goldeneye like every show. And so, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, so this is what people are used to is like, is me, uh, I'm not allowed to bring it up anymore, which I, so it's actually curious. Am I allowed to bring up the moratorium on Goldeneye or does that count as bringing up Goldeneye? I don't know. You just brought it up. So I don't know, man, but we didn't talk about it. (laughs) No, we didn't. Uh, and and I guess lucky for everybody, I've never played a second of the game. So, uh, what, but now we're talking about it. Uh Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. Well, if you never played it, there's nothing to say. Yeah, I know. But, but this conversation great. is over. So uh, <laughs> It is over. Anyways, you were going to... Yeah, what I was saying earlier, um, what, didn't, speaking of Twitter and it becoming like an abysmal hellhole and all that stuff, did they not pick the absolute worst time to double the character numbers <laughs> that you can tweet? Like, are you, you know kidding? What, like, it actually is useful waited. for me um, because when I, whenever I post new episodes of the podcast, I always like to, you know, at... Uh, all the people whose music I feature on the show. And then if, so if right. people listen to the show, they can go to that Twitter post. And if they want to follow the artists, like it's easy for them to, uh, to follow the artists that I feature. Yeah. And, um, I could never fit all the artists with my tweets. Right. So I would always have to pick like two or three artists. And then I was worried about characters. So sometimes I would pick like the artists with the shortest Twitter handles. So I could fit more <laughs> like in the tweet. Cause I, I always wanted it to be in the same tweet. Like the, here's the episode right. featuring interview with signal noise. And here's the music and have all the list. Look, I, I know, man, you just want to talk about golden. I double the amount. I know what you're, <laughs> you get, you can feed me all this garbage, man. I know what the scoop is. <laughs> you just want to talk about golden. I more. <laughs> well, see, I did say this and this is, this is the official rule that I did say on Twitter and on Instagram. <laughs> is I can still talk about it if the guest brings it up. I just can't be... The rule I've instigated on myself is I can't be the one to start the conversation. (laughs) Okay. Because if someone else wants to talk to me about it, I'm not going to not talk about it. Like, that's weird. But, like, the problem is, I think, is, is I'm always bringing it up and I'm always finding weird ways to bring it up. Like, so someone could be talking about, like, any other thing, and I'll be like, well, you know, that reminds me of, and then I go into a spiel that people have heard a million times. <laughs> right. Yeah, so so that's the new rule, is that, uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a good Easter egg, man. That's a good one. Yeah, it's like, God, he's going on to a golden eye again. <laughs> so we've substituted that for uh, sexual yeah. harassment in yeah. Hollywood. The state of the world, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we are. Jeez, what the <laughs> heck is going on out there, man? Yeah, there's a lot of weirdos, and it's hard for me to sympathize because... Because I've never been that, like, forward of a dude. The fact that there are some dudes that are just that forward, that they would just, you know, assume that they could do these things and then get away with them. You know, with my history with ladies and stuff like that, like, I would never, like, they they had to do everything. Like, they had to make the first move. Like, if if it was up to me to make the first move, we'd have to be dating for, like, months before, like, I did anything, you know, because I would feel like, I don't know if this is the right time, whatever, and I'd always be second-guessing myself. And then there's just these fucking dudes that just go off and 
you know, do horrible things and think they can get away with it. So it's, it, it is well, a weird it, like, thing. I didn't think like, you know, we all grow up and know people that are, you know, assholes and whatever else. But uh, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't know, like I, I was, you know, a, a pretty sheltered kid, you know, I was a, a little nerd that liked comic books and drew all the time. So I didn't really know about stuff like this that would go on in the world until I, you know, uh, moved out got a job and then started hanging out with people and 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 women telling me these stories and how prevalent this stuff actually is uh, you know i had no idea until i started hearing these stories that yeah the world's world's a dark place man like you can compare as well uh, like i have a friend who was on uh she was telling me her stories dating using those apps like uh, fucking what are the damn apps i've never used one in my life the, the one, like tinder and stuff like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tinder. And and she would tell me about her experiences using Tinder, and it was, like, horrifying. I was just, like, just oh, dudes who were just weird. Like, she just ended up meeting, like, so many creepy, like, weird dudes through that. And I just <laughs> yeah, felt so weird. bad. I was just, <laughs> yeah. like, dudes who, yeah. you know, she would just meet people that, you, you know, when she's telling the story, like, I mean, I don't really have any examples for you. But she would tell them, and they would, they would surprise me of, like wow what a fucking weirdo like you know like i would just be saying that at the end of like every story like this this sounds like shit like you just dating yeah. all these dudes that are just fucking don't have like the you know like what i would consider normal social skills right and uh so it is a different uh you know it's a different place man for for ladies it is oh man i tell you like i'm gonna sound like a total luddite here man that stuff scares the hell out of me man like the fact that like you know i looking looking at my phone and like basically you know swiping if you like people and and then it's 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 black mirror man it's like this the it's the most um like the, what should be a personal experience is just taken right out and and put into an algorithm and and mm. that hooks you up like oh man like god i just don't have that part of my brain that grew and i just never really understood it so now that it's become a thing you know i'm sure all the kids are listening to this right now going like man it's just a way of life it's just who cares but man it terrifies me like I, i've watched all the black mirrors and it just feels like that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah i can't i can't get my head around it because <laughs> it is weird i've never used one and, and i don't think i ever will so it's like not an issue in my life but yeah i don't know i would just find it very strange yeah this whole fucking swiping business but i guess that's uh, <laughs> that's what people do man that's what it is where the world is man i don't know i don't know let's uh Let's listen to another song, and then we'll fucking keep talking. I gotta make up for lost time. I think we talked for like 20 minutes at one point, and I didn't play any music, so I'm gonna... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, like, uh, pack the back end of this show with lots of tracks. Nice. Uh, this is a track from uh, Face Hugger. That's Face X Hugger, but the X is silent. And this is a track called Come Up to the Dark, featuring Glitbiter and The Encounter.
And that was Come Up to the Dark, featuring Glitbiter and The Encounter. And that is from Facehugger. So that's like three different artists worked on that song. Nice. Facehugger. Facehugger's a great name, man. I'm a big Aliens fan, so yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Facehuggers are terrifying creatures. <laughs> that's, that's my two cents about that. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> So what's uh so what else is going on, man, in the world of fucking uh, signal noise here, uh, art projects? I'm looking at your website now. So the w- when you said you were doing some things that were sort of like you do them to see if it gets the attention of the people, uh, you know, involved in the IP or whatever. But the Blood oh, yeah. Dragon cover, yeah, was that a poster? That's the real one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was um back when a year before it came out or something. Dean Evans, he is a uh, creative director over at Ubisoft, and he got a hold of me. Because uh, he got my name from my friend Jason Eisner, who is the writer and director of uh, Hobo with a Shotgun, the movie. Mm. And uh, they became friends, and uh, Dean was telling him about this, you know, video game that he was developing that's based on 80s action movies and that kind of stuff. And Jason said, you got to get a hold of uh, my buddy James to do some art for you. And he went, oh, cool. So he called me up a couple days later, and... uh, you know, it's like I'm very professional on the phone, right? So if a client calls me, I'll say like, you know, like what what kind of sort of target audience is the target for this blah blah blah, and then like yeah. within two minutes, we're talking about Uzis and motorcycles and lasers, yeah. and like, oh, man, this, <laughs> this guy's my people. <laughs> so um, yeah, and he ended up hiring me to uh, develop the uh, logo, the initial teaser poster that was the logo with the wireframe mountains in the background with the uh, the, the Tron grid mm. and the uh, the official box art with uh, Michael Bane and all the characters and the uh, the dragon shooting lasers out of his eyes in the background. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's all that's all my artwork too and um, you know, and again like uh, I I've, I've told this to Dean many times but he really is like a fundamental piece to uh, to help propel Synthwave to where it is you know because when, when Blood Dragon came out you got Power Glove doing the soundtrack and you know hiring a Synthwave act to score 
video games was it's it's becoming more and more commonplace now but back then that was the first the first time that that had happened so you know dean was really instrumental in kind of like helping like pushing the scene ahead and that's when people started looking into like wow there's people now making music inspired by john carpenter scores and that kind of stuff and like that's really cool so it was super cool to see like kind of how that how that elevated the uh and, and I'm not only talking about the music, I'm talking about the visual culture as well, like the artwork and stuff, because uh, that kind of like supercharged the art that, that I wanted to make, you know? So, yeah. Well, it is pretty cool stuff that, uh, yeah, Far Cry was a, was a fun little game. Oh, it's I great, loved man. it. Yeah. The score that, uh, that Power Glove did was great, because I, I love that they like <laughs> clearly we're just like inspired by like specific pieces of music from like 80s action <laughs> films and sort of like yeah. like they would do like this is the the song that's like you know Arnold and Terminator 1 escaping the police station <laughs> but they like they sort of changed the note by like one octave or something it was like it's yeah, so totally <laughs> but they did it but they did a great job like it totally like suited that mood it was awesome yeah yeah and I'm sure that was like kind of Dean's direction too he's like I want this for the scene and this for the scene and he would be able to cite the guy's an encyclopedia of 80s action movies it's awesome so he would have been probably like yeah I want this just change it slightly because that's the exact vibe we're going for that's how he treated me anyway he just said yeah. like yeah that mixed with do that pink stuff you do it's like yeah great <laughs> I think that was the attention to detail I liked with the score because as much as you know when people say they like 80s movies and sci-fi and stuff or they talk about Terminator you yeah. know whenever I talk about Terminator with people especially the music it's like I always know when it's someone who who really likes it when I can mention that particular track like the one where it's like you know when he's escaping the police station it's like and like because everyone will just either cite the theme song and that's it but like really the whole score is awesome and there's like lots of you know fun little things and they, they capture that with uh, with Far Cry and of course like the poster is awesome like I mean like it, Thanks, that man. image does a uh, fucking you know it sells the thing but all your stuff is good I'm just like scrolling through your website here I dig it yeah thanks man it's like a neon animals oh yeah the neon animals yeah that was fun and then, and again that's me just kind of exploring uh, like personal content right like it's just stuff that's not hooked on a specific piece of pop culture or a specific movie or TV show that's just me kind of exploring and like I said earlier when I was developing stuff for like pop culture and movies and stuff I started to feel like I was losing my own identity as an artist like I was only sure. doing things to serve other uh, franchises and not you know signal noise that should be the uh, the franchise that I'm that I focus on so um, yeah a conscious decision to, to do that stuff and explore those styles and um I mean, to have my artwork grow parallel to the to the synthwave scene was uh, incredible. Like it was just, uh, I've met so many uh, so many of the other artists, and um, you know, even even uh, like minded visual artists like uh, Blood and Chrome, my buddy Basil, and um, oh my god, there's so many Overglow, and uh, my buddy Jared, uh, all these people like doing amazing synthwave style artwork, and uh, they're all killing it. They're working on like movies and documentaries and stuff now. Um, my buddy Baz just. Uh, did like some of the title cards for the uh, the RoboCop documentary that's being made right now. Oh, cool! Yeah, super cool, and it's it's great to see these artists kind of be uh, you know it goes from being a hobby creating this stuff to being elevated to actually being hired to do this stuff by clients. It's amazing. I mean, it's cool stuff. I dig it. I uh, thanks, man. Uh, you know, I I, well, I borrowed it to uh, <laughs> do the set for the show. Right, that subpoena. Where did I put that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that was great, man. I, yeah, and you and you sent me for for the uh, the listeners that don't know, like yeah, and you sent me those uh, the photos as you were you were building it as well, and you had like the idea, and uh, I actually I watched your uh, I think it was the first video that you put out with the new set, 
and everything. Uh, did you did you do many like video recordings on YouTube, or is it you're still? I know you're mostly focused on the podcast, but have you done many? No, I've only done no. We've only done one episode. Like I'm uh, I'm editing the second one now. I've changed the set with every episode. Oh, I keep rebuilding okay. it. So the sun and the, the mountain are still there because the room I'm filming in, I've been trying to make it so I have like this sort of nighttime sky that wraps around the whole room. Right. But it has to be made to also go like fold up and go away because like this is also the living room. Right. So it just wasn't working to my satisfaction. Like I would, you would see seams and cracks in the screen. Like <laughs> I, the, the only way to get a nice seamless nighttime sky is, you know, to actually build a whole thing where you're like smoothing it with plaster and, you know, right. do all that stuff. And I can't do that, nor, nor could I even if I tried. So the new set, I have brick walls in this this apartment, and so basically the new version of the set is just basically I'm I'm sort of turning half of this room into a permanent set. Oh wow! And I'm incorporating the brick walls in the set. So the new design is like a wrecking ball smashed through the wall. So <laughs> you'll see the sun and the mountain, but then now uh, you're actually going to see the bricks as well, like in the in the room, and oh, then you're yeah. going to see like sort of nighttime sky sort of above them. I think it'll look okay. Yeah, that's I'm cool still idea. building it, like because it. it also will make it quicker to throw them together because right. basically every time I would want to shoot an episode of the show it takes like three hours to like bring the set out and set everything up and oh, sometimes course. that was like a big pain in the ass. Hey, let's listen to another song and then we'll keep talking. Let's do it. Here's a track from Galaxy Frog and this is a track called Ghost Train.
that was Ghost Train by Galaxy Frog. And that's a cool track, and I'm here with Signal Noise. I was going to say Synthwave Artist Extraordinaire, but I just want to call you an artist who happens to do it in this style. A artist. I don't want to pigeonhole you. (laughs) No, that's cool, man. Uh, Well, I mean, that's kind of interesting that uh, you brought that up as well. Like, um, it's been like a constant dilemma for me when when I'm putting my artwork out there. Like, do I want to be known as an artist that strictly does this one style or this one thing, or do I want to be known as, uh, you know, somebody that does like a lot of different things? It's always strange putting out a piece of artwork that isn't synthwave oriented because i i noticed my engagement is way down right <laughs> so it's it's clearly like yeah my, well my audience is almost entirely built of uh people that like retro stuff and synthwave stuff and uh so it's interesting i don't know i don't know where i was going with that point yeah. but there we go then i had ice cream no well no it, i mean you know you gotta you know see what they like yeah yeah, for sure. See what the audience likes. See, I, I I sort of do the opposite of that with my show, where when they, when people will specifically ask me to do certain things and I just refuse because I just don't like being told. But, you know, they'll just be like, yeah. why don't you ask more questions to the guests, like technical questions? And then I'm just like, oh, how about I don't ever ask about music at all? And like... <laughs> So that's what I've been doing. It's like, it depends. It depends on the guest. Like sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But like, I usually go into these just trying to have conversations with people that I find uh, enjoyable at the time. So that's why, you know, we haven't spoken once about the software you use or anything like that, but we talk about Hollywood and all these other things. Yeah, all the dark crap in society right now or whatever. I mean, well, you not not asking about the technical stuff. I mean, you're pulling the uh, WWE wrestling thing of, like, never give the audience what they expect. Give them something that uh, is new or different or pisses them off. I don't know if that's your philosophy or not. I'm just trying to make a wrestling comparison because that's that. I mean, it is true. Like most of what I've done so far is based on philosophies laid down by Vince McMahon. <laughs> so everything that that dude's ever said, I've just sort of taken to heart. And also things that the Ultimate Warrior has said. Oh yeah, I was never into wrestling, but I liked the '64 games. Right. And so I think for some of my friends who are like you know into wrestling at the time, like I don't know if it's necessarily a thing that people are into anymore. It's weird though. Apparently, wrestling is bigger than it ever was, which is weird for you know people of our age or generation to think about because we think of the heyday as being like the late 80s with Hulk Hogan and uh, and Jake the Snake and stuff and then mm. Attitude Era with Stone Cold and The Rock and then it's like it's, it's bigger than all of that that makes no sense to me but apparently it is you know yeah because in high school I remember um, that was around the time that people would still sort of share certain videos if it was like like uh, who the fuck Mankind <laughs> remember there was this one there was this one where like Mankind was wrestling on top of a cage oh, yeah. and there was like pins on the ground or something and and then, like, he fell off the cage and landed on the pins. and uh, Dude, yeah. And I remember that people would show that video of just like, look at this crazy, and he's bleeding. And I, I used to play the, uh, the games, like the N64 wrestling games. Yeah. But... I would always change the entire roster because I wasn't like a fan of wrestling necessarily. Right. I just liked the way those games played. And what I loved about the N64 wrestling games was that you could literally change every character in the game. Oh, yeah. You could change their names and you could change what they looked like. So I, you could build your whole insane like oh, alternate reality thing. and. That's one of the things that bugs me about, you know, with new games when everybody talks about how, like, everything is just such an advancement now. Yeah. But back in the day, since it was on a cartridge and the, and the sort of the graphics were sort of simple, like, there was no loading time. So you could change every character and it didn't matter. Totally. Whereas now, yeah, if you were to do that same thing with a wrestling game now... You know, every time a new wrestler runs in, you'd have to wait for like one minute while the game fucking loaded him up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, 
Well, man, so it's not always better, you know. Yeah, man, those those character creators. I think the first time I ever witnessed a character creator was I think it was around 1999. It was it was on the original PlayStation. I can't remember the name of the first uh, of of the game that it was. It was like WWE Bring Down the Face Punch. I can't remember what it's called, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Now yeah, you got that's it. The one. I love that one. But uh, they had um, 20 character slots, so you can basically create your own wrestlers and whatever. And me and my buddy Mike, my child friend I grew up with we used to create our own wrestlers like we used to draw them and then roll dice and have them fight basically so we had our champions and our rivalries and whatever but they were our own characters so when we got this game he made 20 of his guys I made 20 of my guys on on my machine and then we could set the computer to fight itself so we would like set up a huge main event with only our our wrestlers and then just hit play and sit there for two hours watching the guys fight (laughs) all right well this is a funny thing because I did the same okay so I had a buddy we used to love playing the wrestling game together and we did the same fucking thing so it was on the N64 as a Wrestlemania 2000 but we went so like we were stoners right so that was a big part that was like fueling it so it wasn't nerdiness (laughs) so much as it was like we'd get high and then we would make the dumbest wrestlers so one of the things was like I made joke wrestlers so they all had like you know big fat heads and silly faces and they'd have names like bag lust and my favorite one (laughs) my favorite character I ever made and I still love him is called tax evasion (laughs) he was just this dude in like this green suit and he was amazing and he had like the pimp cane and stuff so there was tax evasion what was the other one beef up security the names that I would give my wrestlers were always sort of like weird fragments of sentences because that's what I found the funniest was like when a character runs out and he's called like you know like consequences Jackson or something you know like you'd just be like like what the fuck is this like just the dumbest names um, that's great so one of the um, default options in the N64 one was you could make a character that looked like a crash dummy <laughs> yeah so it was like you know it's like yellow with like the lines on it and like just a blank face so we created this league of robots where like they were meant to be robots and what would happen is we'd play a royal rumble and then we'd have the computer decide like you know if if this team won or won the match then that character would have to move over to the other the teams like you know you have like sort of teams like yeah the stable the rock and these guys would be like the fucking x factor or whatever the fuck you know like they would have different groupings (laughs) and so you know if you did like a rumble and they won then they would take one of the characters over and then so then we (laughs) then we would do that same thing where we would put the computer and then we just have a fight where the computers just fighting each other and the the victor would then become amalgamated so in our plot line the robots were the crash test dummies and every time a robot would win the match that character would get assimilated and become a robot too <laughs> That's great. <laughs> that is awesome. That's like that's messing with the structure of the game, right? That's exactly what me and Mike used to do. Yeah, it's, it's just so like, stupid. Yeah, and you make up your own little stories around it and whatever. Like that's great. <laughs> it eventually broke because once the robot team became so big that it just assimilated like the whole game because like it just the <laughs> odds of the the odds of the robot team winning just became like too great. Wow, the robots truly won. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's Cyberdyne right there, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like a big fucking nerd. I just realized. Well, how about this one here? Like when me and Mikey used to play Sim City, like the one for the Super Nintendo, we would put in the million dollar code so we had more money that we could possibly spend in the mm-hmm. in the game, and we would play for uh, something like fifteen minutes each. So I would play for fifteen minutes, and then I'd give the controller to Mike, and Mike would play for fifteen minutes, and we actually set up like our estates. 
So whenever we got like the stuff that made the city really nice and grow really good, we would only put around our estate. So our houses were the biggest, <laughs> nicest, surrounded by lawn with a great big driveway and stuff. And then everybody else around it would be slums. <laughs> and all you got to do is just turn the taxes down to zero and then wait for December and hold L and then turn the taxes back up and let go of L or what the hell was the code again? It was something like that. Oh, man. Yeah. The, the Super Nintendo million dollar code was like you had to set taxes to zero wait a year yeah. hold l and then on december when you go to your tax sheet you'd be holding l and then you would release it yeah it was something like that yeah yeah <laughs> mike knew it he would always put it in and i i could never remember it but yeah that's that sounds about right <laughs> i just love that game uh, here let's listen to another track yeah to interrupt this uh, this nerd fest here <laughs> astral stereo project came up with an album uh last month and it's uh it's great i've listened to it a lot i don't remember if i played this song because i formatted my computer today with the new operating system and i forgot to save my playlists so i may have played this before i may not have uh but regardless it's a good track this is called bad timing by the astral stereo project
that was the Astral Stereo Project with the track Bad Timing off the album Antihero 2. And I am here today with Signal Noise Artist. Digital Artist. Okay, so... Now the stuff you do is mostly is digital, right? I mean, do you do stuff like by like on real drawing boards or real drawing boards? <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. Like I, I grew up drawings and uh, I haven't really stopped. Like I, mm. I draw all the time, and when I, when I'm working on a project, nine times out of ten, yeah, bring out the sketchbook, bring out the pencils and pens and stuff like that, and uh, and get to it. That's that's where a lot of my ideas kind of come from because mm. you know sitting in front of a computer, it's really easy to do that for like nine hours a day or something. I mean. And I'm doing it right now, talking to you. Mm. It's enjoyable, though. <laughs> no one's going to believe that. Yeah, you're, are, are you trolling me now? You're naysaying me again, like you said. You're <laughs> didn't happen. <laughs> Did that never happen? Uh, James doesn't enjoy anything. But uh, yeah, it's good to keep the sketchbook going just to get away from the computer, so I can go to like my uh, local pub or a coffee shop or something like that. And yeah, yeah, I still draw all the time. It's uh, it's one of my favorite things to do. Is that your real hair color? It is. Yeah, the, the gray. Mm. Yeah, man. I got. I inherited my mom's uh, uh, breasts, and I got um, yeah, and, and my mom's breasts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be funny. It's like I'm really sensitive about that. Thanks for bringing that yeah. up, Andy. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, she started going gray. I think when she said she was 20 or 21, and mm. uh, me too. So I was actually. I remember somebody noticing I had a gray hair when I was in high school. Mm. I was like, yeah, I would have been 17 or something like that. And now, like, yeah, I'm, I'm 40, but I got like the uh, the full. The full gray. So, uh, yeah, yeah. That's happened. I'm cool with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm like, how old am I now? Am I 36? I think I'm 36. So it's not total gray yet, but it's getting there. It just depends what. It's getting there. It yeah. depends what to the lighting. It's like when I come out of the shower, it's brown, like it's it's dark. But then <laughs> yeah. when it dries, then like it goes gray. Oh, really? And did uh, you, did yeah. When yours started going gray, did it come in like on the sides, like kind of a Reed Richards from Fantastic Four thing, or did you just kind of come in on the top, or is it all pepper? It's through? sort of it, yeah. It's it's salt and pepper. That's oh, yeah. that's how it's been sort of coming in and uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been weird because, like, I think my hair is also sort of thinning a bit. But what I've noticed is sometimes I'll notice, like, new growth of gray hair. I don't know how the how it works because I always just assumed you'd have these you'd have these hairs that were, like, half gray, half, you know, black or whatever right. as, as the, the follicle morphed into a gray hair. But I think it literally, like, the brown hair dies and then a gray hair comes in. Really? So it, like, kind of replaces it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, look, I could be – I'm literally not an expert in this, but there'd be times <laughs> where it'd be, be like – Oh no! And then I and then I would look close at my hair and realize like I had all these like short kind of gray hairs, and I'm like, what? So like they must have you know like they took over, and so uh, I may I don't know. Weird. Yeah. I wonder if it's like uh, it's yeah something like the thing where like a gray hair gets on your head and then it just starts taking over the yeah. rest of the rest <laughs> of your follicles, kind of thing. Like it, or it's like the robot wrestlers. Yeah. It just assimilates the rest of your follicles. <laughs> <laughs> I've been looking. I've been looking for a way to to have a reason to bring up that robot wrestling league. We used to get stoned and play N sixty four, and now I have a, a proper metaphor. This is great. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so now you can now you can drop the whole golden eye thing and uh, and yeah, just talk about the talk about wrestling on the N sixty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never heard of that <laughs> other game, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> my bad my bad but uh yeah well, we could probably like fucking wind this thing down is there something that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about or uh, yeah synthwave no <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is a synthwave podcast no, right? no, well, th- this is a podcast i'll give you that how about this i'm gonna give a shout some shout outs how about that do it and i'm sure you, you probably um 
you probably interviewed all these guys on there, but I want to give a shout out to some of my buddies. Like like I'm some kind of rapper, which I'm not. Do it. Uh, big shout outs to some of my friends: Arcade High, Laserhawk, Irving Force, Bourgeoisie, Wave Shaper, Knight with a one in the middle of it. Yep. <laughs> the Midnight, love me some Midnight. Eighty Stallone, Das Mortal, La- Matos, and my buddy, my main man, one of the nicest dudes in Synthwave, and I think you interviewed him like last week. Uh, Kalax? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kalax. Kalax, that's how you pronounce it. Okay. Uh, yeah, man, he's uh, he, he did me a solid uh, about a month ago. I was over in the UK, that's where my fiancé lives, mm. and I was visiting her, and I was trying to get that... We're going right back to the Super Nintendo again. I was trying to get that damn Super Nintendo Classic because I'm that kind of a nerd. I was trying, and I missed it. It sold out everywhere because it sold out in like half a second. Mm. And of course, I went to Twitter and I was just like, "No, I never, I never got the Super Nintendo. Oh, life is terrible." And uh, he shot me a note within a couple of minutes, and he said, "I got a hold of my buddy that lives in Germany." And they got you one there, so they're going to ship it from Germany to me, and then I'll ship it f- up to you. Like, <laughs> it's like you're the I've, I never met him face to face, and it's like that's the nicest thing anybody's ever done. That's 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 great. So anyway, I got to give give a big shout out. Oh, and I like his music too. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So anyway, big shout out, big shout out to Calix. Calix. Yeah, yeah. I think what I'm going to do is. I mean, I had a retro pie, but then it didn't play all the arcade games I wanted, so I got rid of it. Oh, yeah. And now I feel like I'm going to buy one again because I've seen people make knockoff cases. So you can get, like on Amazon, you can order a knockoff NES case for a retro pie. Right. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, so you can, you know, it's like 30 bucks, And so it's like you put a retro pie inside that, and then you essentially have like a, a, an NES mini. But there's something about the novelty of the item, like I... I think I had this conversation with Marco, I think, a few weeks ago, but we were talking about it and just, you know, there's some nerds that, you know, attack anyone who's got the Super Nintendo Mini or the NES Mini. It's like, just like, why are you doing it, man? You can just get a retro pie that'll do the same thing. And it's like, but, you know, there is something nice about the, there's, it's a collector's item and and there's something novel about it when you get the official Nintendo fucking miniature Super Nintendo. Like, there's something. Totally. So I appreciate that. Um, I, you know, I also yeah. appreciate that a retro pie you can have you know every classic game ever made but it's like but there is something about getting you know just getting that official sort of like nintendo product it totally is yeah so i don't fault anyone for doing it or or, or going to weird measures of having germans send them to <laughs> liverpudlians sending them to eastern canada yeah and it's in it's in english i i was very surprised i was just like is this whole menu system gonna be in german or something weird but, oh that would have uh, been amazing yeah. okay das nintendo yeah, it been, it's like zelda would have been unplayable yeah. <laughs> i don't know what they're saying i don't know where i'm supposed to go <laughs> it'd be a good way to learn a new language though i never thought of it that way i guess so yeah but you could all you could do is go to germany and ask them where where the rupees at yeah so <laughs> it's like, all right, where do I get the master sword in German? Like, uh, <laughs> I wonder what they call it. Like, I, I wonder if those words are just the English words. Like, like if you play Zelda in Germany, like, do they just call the master sword the master sword, or do they call it like the, the Schlinsenmistlen or whatever? Yeah, yeah, that's my German for you. <laughs> the yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People in Germany will be listening to this going, I can't believe he said that on his podcast. <laughs> I hope it's like, not like somebody. some horrible slur. <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm calling the police on that guy. Like he... <laughs> the odds are that it was just a gibberish thing, but uh, just in case. Uh, anyway. 
<laughs> you can have to look at it like whatever it's called, Babblefish or whatever, and like dictate yeah. it into that, and to go like, oh no. Like, well, sorry, James. He just said horse fucker. Like it's like, oh fuck. <laughs> It's like not again. Every time I say some gibberish in another language, that's yeah, it what always, it is. It always, yeah, it's, it's, it's horse fucker every time. Every time, it's in, it's, it's in my soul. <laughs> oh boy. Ah. Well, anyways, man, listen, it was it was fun chatting with you. Yes, Andy, thank you so much for having me on, man. This was super fun, and we've been trying to organize this for like a year or something. So it's uh, super fun, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is what happens. Like, it, it's a lot of work producing this show, and I, I treat it like a full time job, even though I'm not necessarily getting a full time wage. Right. This is like the story of all like the behind the scenes of like setting up interviews and stuff. Like, some sometimes they just they snap into place, and it's just coincidentally like I'm about to record, and I just like email someone or message them like, hey, you want to be on the show and it's like and it works and then sometimes i'm in like back and forth with people for like years uh you know it just like just <laughs> never seems to never seems to line up when it's uh you know yeah. but uh it did so that's all that matters man and you yeah man keep up the good work you do cool stuff hey, you as well man keep doing what you're doing man the uh the scene appreciates it well yeah I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Stop being a humble Canadian. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was about to agree with you. I'm like, I don't think I'm allowed to agree with that sentiment. That's uh... Just, yeah, man, I am great. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. great work. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so not Canadian of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, man, you have a lovely fucking East Coast day. Is it cold over there? It's getting there. It snowed a bit earlier today, but, you know, we're, we're hanging in there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been lightly snowing over here, man. It's happening. Yeah, you guys get it worse than we do. It gets way colder, way quicker in Toronto, right? What? That's what I heard. Then Eastern Canada? No, 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 you in Toronto. No, Toronto's fucking protected by a dome of pollution. Oh, right, the pollution, yeah. That's good. Yeah, we've got we've got that dome. So it's like, you know, when I when I go up and visit like my dad and he's only like, you know, two and a half hours away, we were there on the weekend and we drove back to Toronto and like the first hour was like a snowstorm. And then we get to Toronto and it's like fall. What? Oh yeah, oh, man. like like the weather. The weather in Toronto is like a, is always a few degrees warmer than like you know the other parts. I and mean, it's also because of the location of the the city as well. But right. I, I think the I think the pollution dome has something to do with oh, it. Oh, Okay. Now, now magical now, pollution dome. This podcast got really Canadian because here we are talking about the weather. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Tim Hortons that closed this out? <laughs> man, some Timmies. Yeah, I can go for a Timmies. Yeah, yeah. I like drinking French vanillas and getting myself one of them chocolate donuts with the coconut sprinkles. Oh man, yeah. You're fancier than me. I just go for medium. Single, single, straight up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the part of the podcast enjoyed by no one. No one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. That's the best sign off ever. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that was Signal Noise. That was a fun talk. Uh, we had a good time, and that's all I got to say. So don't forget, uh, Beyond Synth is the show you're listening to, <laughs> just in case you forgot. Uh, please like the Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. There's also the Twitter account. I'm at Andy Last on Twitter. There's the SoundCloud, obviously, where these uh, episodes get posted. Also check out the Beyond Synth YouTube page and Instagram. Beyond Synth is everywhere. And there's also one thing I got to do before we go, and we'll probably play another track, but someone messaged me. So this was uh, Rob Dyson, who was a, uh, a new uh, Patreon donor from a few weeks ago. He said, yay, I got my new Patreon shout out, and now I need to find a way to extract Andy saying my name into some kind of voicemail function. 
Another great show. Cheers. So, Rob, I'm going to make it easy for you, and I will, uh, I'll make you an outgoing message, all right? This can be for your voicemail. Hello! You have reached the voicemail of Rob Dyson. He's not at home, but you can leave a message after the sound of the beep. Did you leave your message yet, motherfucker? No? Then fuck you! Rob Dyson has no time for you! Who is this? Wrong number. If you call this number again, I'll call the cops. Rob Dyson. Alright, there you go, buddy. There's a very useful outgoing message for you. Uh, everybody else, thank you for listening to the show. I hope you have a good day, good weekend, whatever. And uh, now we'll end on a track. This is an artist by the name of Jamie Bathgate from the album Left Unturned. And this is a track called Find Me in Binary. And I hope you dig it. And I'll talk to you guys next time on Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is. And now, here's Jamie Bathgate with Find Me in Binary.